Hey everyone, welcome back to uh, a brand new episode of Hero Hero Go Show. I am your host, Bo Ransdell. I am joined uh, for the next uh, three episodes, uh, if you include this one, by Derek Bourgeois in our look at a series of films uh, titled One Miss Call. So Derek, first of all, thank you for being here again. It's a pleasure to be here again, Bo. Excellent. Well, eh, don't be so hasty. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, because we're talking about one missed call too. Uh, after the dizzying highs of the last episode of the Takashi Miike classic, one missed call, a movie that since you know really digging into it and watching it again. I've really recommended a bunch more to people recently where I'm like, man, when was the last time you watched one Miss call? Go watch it again. Trust me. It's so good. Um, and then coming off of that into one Miss call two is a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. Especially, uh, when you get the title card, that kind of looks like a Pang brothers. eye sequel. Yeah. I, <laughs> right. Which, uh, you know, again, we just covered the eye. Um, and yeah, it, it totally looks like that, which is one of the cooler things about the movie. I wish there was more of that and less of everything else. But, uh, so do you have the arrow edition of these movies? I do. Okay. I do. Did, did you happen to watch the making of stuff and that kind of thing for one miss call to you? Not yet. I, okay. yeah, I, I kind of skipped over it because actually, Ironically enough, I started one missed call three out of the curiosity. I'm like, yeah, we'll get into it when we get into it. But I didn't finish that movie yet. But uh, yeah, that was way better what I saw of that movie than this one. Yeah, I I still haven't done that yet because lo and behold, thanks to our listeners, a little let's just be right up front with this a little bit of a schedule change. Um, we were gonna do one missed call three on the next episode. But somebody actually got us a source for the one missed call television show. Uh, so we're going to do that the next episode, which chronologically is how the release of this went. It's one missed call two that leads to the TV show, which goes to one missed call final. And so that'll be the order of the shows coming up. And Derek will be here for all of that. Uh, and then we've got some one offs uh, on the back end of that stuff. But um yeah so the the television show has been procured it's uh spoilers uh i i really enjoyed the first episode at least and and we'll dig into that in more detail on the uh on the next episode but um the reason i bring up the the arrow edition though and is because there is that making of thing which was produced at the time like by the filmmakers uh, at the time that the movie was made so it's a lot of you know like hey we're gonna interview the actress and it's very like japanese press kind of questions where it's like oh tell me how you know you you got into the part how did you play this character you know that kind of stuff it's real yeah. softball shit um but it's you know it's it's still kind of interesting to see some of that behind the scenes stuff because every time you get a glimpse at a Japanese movie set, it seems like the most polite, wonderful place in the world to be. Where everyone is just constantly like, arigato, arigato. You know, like everybody's bowing and thanking everyone after the after every scene. 
and you know the uh in this one you see like their professional cook on set making uh like bento bowls for everybody and shit it's like man i wish i were making a japanese horror movie this looks great and everybody seems so nice um <laughs> uh, like giving flowers to everybody on their last day of of shooting and stuff it just seemed adorable i wish i could be there Derek. that's what i'm saying yeah you just get there and then the girls just throw flowers at you <laughs> yeah I, yeah it just seems so, so wonderful and uh, that being said, there's really not that much revealed other than there's one deleted scene that I'll bring up kind I, I'll, I'll try to remember to bring it up at, at the point in the movie when we're talking about it, but it's, it's weird that they left it out because it sort of explains everything. And I was like, really, you cut this out and you left in a bunch of the other bullshit. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the guy who edited Godzilla vs. Kong edited this movie. <laughs> right, yeah. You left out all the good stuff. Um it's yeah, it's yeah, that not a not a bad analogy. Um so all right, so let let's jump into it. This, this was a direct sequel of course to One Miss Call. Um I did as much research as I could to give some background uh for this movie. But there's really not much background. It's one missed call made a bunch of money. It was really successful. They wanted to do another one. Takashi Miike was like, nah, I got other shit to do. I got another seven movies to make this year. So, yeah. So. Yeah, you know, the th the weird thing is, that, you know, this came out in 2005, the same year as the I-3. Yeah. Which, ironically, both films involve people going to a different country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure enough. It, it yeah, you're absolutely right. Um <laughs> and the, it, this is directed by Rimpai uh Sukamoto who did uh not a bunch a lot of television stuff is kind of his bag. Um couple of features here and there like steadily working. The guy, you know, is, is working as of 2020. Um but, you know, I mean just not Oh, an auteur or anything like a real kind of journeyman director kind of kind of guy uh and when you he introduces the deleted scenes on the desk and, uh -huh. and he seems like to genuinely be a thoughtful director i don't know that he's a particularly good director but he seems thoughtful at least where he was talking about like well the reason i pulled this scene out is because i felt like we were losing some scares and so i pulled this bit of exposition out to keep kind of keep things moving and again that's where i'm like really you thought things were moving okay um because it seems like you could have taken that extra 60 seconds to explain the plot of the movie but fair enough um anyway so rimpe uh sukamoto not particularly notable um there's uh as far as actors go uh asaka sato as uh takako nozoe uh the the reporter has been in a bunch of stuff Mo most notably she was naomi in death note uh-huh uh and she's awesome in this like she is the absolutely the best thing about this movie yeah she's I'm like concerned. a yeah she's like the female carl kojak you know kind of yeah yeah and she's just got a real presence like she's very assertive in the movie and it I, maybe it's just nice because so many japanese horror movies they put the the female characters in the back seat so much and yeah. and she is so much 
in charge and and really driving the narrative of the movie yeah for sure you know like when i was watching it on this watch i'm like noticing like she's overshadowing like the who was supposed to be like the you know the first few characters that we meet are these uh kyoko and uh nato and you know she's like way bit more interesting than those two fucking characters in the movie yeah yeah absolutely right when she shows up it's like oh now the movie can start great um even though we've theoretically gotten some scares and stuff but uh yeah so that's really it like like i said not a ton of interesting backstory here um other than hey we're trying to expand and extend this one miss call series right like you know juan did it why why not us the ring did it certainly uh ring did it on the same day but ring was like fuck you here's a sequel right now yeah rosin right how about this enjoy uh and although recent isn't particularly good as far as i'm concerned but um one of these days we'll do that whole series anywho uh let, let's jump into the story of one miss call too because i at least this takes place in a world where one miss call happened yeah you know like early on it's it's clear that the characters are at least aware that some really fucked up phone stuff happened and you get uh right up front it's like the the sound of the the phone ringing and uh you do like you said get that title in the eyeball that's very much like the ping brothers um and then we're introduced to kyoko and uh madako who are uh basically kindergarten teachers mm-hmm. and and Monaco is like, hey, Kyoko, how about we go out for a drink, you know, because we've been dealing with these kids all day. And uh, and Kyoko is finally talked into it, but not before um, there's kind of a creepy moment where it's raining as they're kind of seeing all the kids off at the end of the day. And this swing starts swinging on its own. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty good. And then a little girl named uh, Rika um is being picked up by her mom who looks dead up like a ghost (laughs) yeah like i was like what the hell you know and she's not even wearing like it's poor now and she's just wearing like a you know like the jew the jew on like outfit yeah it's i mean we've talked about it a number of times on this show that like japanese shorthand for a ghost whereas in america like you throw a sheet over somebody and say boo that's a ghost well in japan you throw a white dress on somebody and give them kind of that long dark hair and that pale skin, that's a ghost. And so it's really weird to use that kind of iconography early on because it doesn't ever pay off. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, they never go back to it. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating. Like right off the bat, you're like, oh, well, what is all this about? This is really intriguing. Like, is there a ghost mother? And maybe i don't know but anyway so rika is like oh every time it rains that soul's falling to earth and uh before she leaves she's also like bye ghost kid in the back <laughs> and kyoko's like the fuck what what, what is rika waving at and then off goes ghost mom and rika never to be seen again in the movie um so kyoko and uh Mariko go out for drinks and they're going to um, a restaurant that 
Nato works at, who is Kyoko's boyfriend. And then there's Mei Feng, who is the daughter of the guy who owns the place. That is also a friend of theirs. Mm -hmm. And anyway, they show up. Uh, there, there's the one missed call. Uh, uh, call and the dad uh, grabs the phone. And is like, oh, is that Mayfeng's boyfriend? I'll I'll show him. So he's got her phone. And uh, spoilers, he's gonna get a one missed call call <laughs> for intended for his daughter, and he ends up answering it. Um, and then let's see, anything else important about this scene? Oh, there's the super special necklace that Kyoko is wearing that uh Naruto, noto gave her um and that's kind of i mean it's just uh, sort of establishing all the these characters and stuff. yeah it's kind of like that setup scene from the first movie where you know it sets up you know there's a dinner scene where they're all eating dinner at this restaurant and you know they all get new you know exchange phone numbers because one of them got a new phone same kind of setup as the first movie but then you know they had like that little added twist where the father actually picks up the one missed call yeah and that's kind of you know an intriguing thing and of course it's gonna come up again later in the movie i say of course after just talking about the fact that this ghost mother never shows up again um so maybe you know hey all bets are off uh but yeah so he answers the phone uh he hears uh his daughter saying something to the effect of like i i told you never to leave you know oil sitting on the stove or something like that and they look over it uh Naruto is is there as well and they look over at the stove nothing's on there and the father is like well this, this is weird and then they hear a scream and then in comes Mei Feng and they're like hey you're on the phone and she's like no that's my phone what are you doing with my phone asshole I went out to get <laughs> groceries what are you doing um so yeah so he intercepts the the call that one presumes is from mimiko from the first film you know spooky ringtone and all yeah and uh so at later on they're still at dinner kyoko's talking about how she wants to go into child therapy on account of all the kids they see who are abused which sounds like a real chronic problem in japan yeah especially when you're letting them go off with ghost mothers you know Oh, yeah, willy-nilly. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to pick up my child. Oh, yeah, can you... Anyone will do, apparently. That's right. Uh, my, I lost my daughter in the floods. Now I come here every Tuesday looking for a baby. Uh, all right, well, here's one. We got plenty. Um, oh. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, Mayfing uh is sharing her phone number around so that you know we set up this number getting passed around again very similar to the setup of the first one only uh that one had much more like creepy shit and and stuff in it um so meanwhile uh Madoko it all gets the one missed call out front and Kyoko is like hey isn't that the ringtone from that television show where that that girl died? Good callback. Yeah, 
I, I'm glad they acknowledged it where immediately they're like, hey, wait a second. Remember when that person died on live television a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah, when her head popped off like a balloon. <laughs> like grape. Yeah. It, I Like you said, I, I'm just glad that they they pay some lip service to the fact that this happened. Because I think it would change life forever as soon as that showed up on television. Yeah, for sure. It's it's probably the best thing that this movie does is acknowledge the first one at least, you know. Yeah. So yeah, and sometimes a little too much, but whatever. Uh I'm glad to see, you know, scary scenes in a movie like this. Um anyway, so uh after they're like, Oh my god, that's a girl who died on TV, meanwhile, uh Naoto goes back into the kitchen where he finds the Mr. Wang, the guy who owns the place, dead face first in a bunch of rice. And uh, in comes the detective from the first movie, our, our favorite character <laughs> from that movie. Yeah. Uh, who we learn in this movie is named Motomiya. Uh, we finally get a name uh, for him. And he shows up and immediately is checking Wang's mouth for red candy uh, to see if this is some more, you know, Mimico bullshit he's got to deal with. <laughs> it's great yeah no, red candy <laughs> yeah and they're like no 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 he didn't even have a cell phone and he's like what he didn't have a cell phone huh that's fucked up and so he takes off but this is where we get the introduction of like we said the best character of this movie which is uh takako and uh takako um and she is a reporter hot on the heels of this story about, you know, people getting phone calls that predict their death. And so she's clearly been following this for a while. And I like the fact that before they start talking, Motomiya is like, hey, turn off your recorder. And she's like, oh, okay, got me. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It's a good scene. I like that. Yeah. And he asks her, like, hey, why are you so obsessed with this story? And she has this flashback to when she was a child with a, a, a sister hopping around in black and white. And um, we also, during this conversation, get the the bit of information that Yumi Nakamura, the, uh, the one who was possessed by Mimiko at the end of One Miss Call, is still missing. That they yeah. have no idea where she is. Yeah, she's probably on that island in Battle Royale with the little Seth killing people right now. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, <laughs> with her uh, pots and pans. Yeah. Um, and then we get uh, a flashback to the end of the first movie to kind of remind us of the knife and all that stuff. And before he leaves, though, Motomiya says, you know, we're we're both trapped in an endless maze. Uh, which I kind of like, and 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 like this movie starts pretty strong because you're you've got the big ties to the first movie. Uh, Takako is a really cool character, and she's like right up front is kind of you know ballsy and in your face. And Motomi is here. Like, what more could you want out of a sequel? Honestly, I wish this movie was just these two characters trying to figure out what was going on. Right. Yes, you're. Yes, the the movie would be ten times better if it were just these two characters. Um, I wish they had taken your advice, Derek. Yeah. Um. But uh, Naoto ends up uh, 
calling out for Kyoko, but he ends up getting stopped by our lady reporter, uh, uh, Takako. And she is like, Hey, I, uh, I think what happened is that this guy got the one missed call instead of Mei Feng. And then she kind of recaps the whole first movie for Naoto. And then she also shows up a picture of Mimiko. And it's like, yeah, this is the ghost that does it. And, uh, and, and Naruto is like, no, nah, nothing's been weird around here lately, except for, yeah, him him taking that phone call. I guess that was pretty strange now that I think about it. And that ringtone was one we'd never heard before. So I don't know. Maybe it's a ghost. And he's like, oh, and by the way, this other girl we know, Monaco, her cell phone rang the exact same way. And she's like, are, are you fucking serious? Get, get her on the phone. Call her right now. And so he does, but it's all staticky and like he can't he can't connect to Monaco. Yeah, the the ghost block. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, right, the ghost cell phone. I and that you actually see like his reception bars fade away as the ghost drains his reception, aka gives him a T Mobile service. Hey, I have T Mobile, it's not that bad. I I I have it too, and let's be real. Um, or maybe it's just my ear. Anyway, <laughs> so there's Kyoko, uh, with Mei Feng, who is upset about her father naturally. Um, and Kyoko is kind of taking care of him, and and Monaco is there as well. Uh, or no, she's calling Kyoko. Monaco is at her place, and she calls Kyoko to kind of check up and see how Mei Feng's doing. And um, Naoto, meanwhile is trying to get in touch as well. Uh, and while they're on the phone, though, Kyoko sees, like, somebody moving behind Mariko, which is pretty good, and even sees, like, ghost hands on her shoulders and shit, and she's like, you know, Kyoko just throws down her phone on account of it being all haunted and whatnot. And yeah. uh, when she picks it back up, it's all static, and, like, Mariko's gone. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's good so far. Yeah, right. Totally on track. We we cut over to Monaco, who sees that she has missed a call from herself that is going to uh that came from six oh one, which is in about five minutes. And she sees herself screaming. And so uh Monaco you know, basically gets chased by this ghost into the shower. Her body starts twisting. Sort of like we saw, uh, again, in the original One Miss Call, as this ghostly hand is, you know, grabbing her. And uh, Kyoko is trying to, like, get in to save her after seeing, you know, the ghost on the phone and whatnot. And she busts in in time to see her all twisted up in the shower. And uh, Naoto and, and Takako find her there as well but now kyoko's phone starts ringing and it's of course the one miss call ringtone and naoto sees that it's of course kyoko's number that's calling kyoko's phone um it, yeah and you know it's like uh pretzel you know that, the whole scene where they discover the pretzel girl in the tub is just okay this movie's doing okay things right now but then what happens happens next yeah it's we are we are in very short order going to kick this movie into neutral for about 45 minutes 
Um, because now that we've set this up where like, okay, Monaco is dead. Kyoko got the call. Uh, Naoto is there to help save her. And we've got, uh, Takako and, um, Motomiya as detectives to try to prevent this, right? Like that's the setup. And if that was, like you said, if that was the whole movie and we introduce a couple more characters to die along the way, bada bing, bada boom, totally fine movie. Uh, maybe not reinventing the wheel, but kind of in the in the wake of one missed call. If you were to do just another one missed call, I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, you know, like, and it's fucking hilarious when you find out that she has like three days or some bullshit. They gave her like three days to live, you know, just where, you know, like, Wow, this ghost is generous. They usually give the other people like a day. You yeah, know, like a Monaco got five minutes. Yeah. You know, that's some bullshit. Uh, <laughs> and and as we'll learn later, sometimes it, it just your time's up. You know. Yeah, you know, like this lady had time to go to Taiwan and shit. <laughs> like, yeah, what? <laughs> Take a vacation, come back. Yeah, uh, <laughs> had time to pick up the pictures. Uh, so, anywho, uh. Takako then shows Motomiya this picture on the phone of Kyoko standing by a fence that is, like you said, it's a call that's made three days in the future. And Motomiya is telling his junior detective, like, I need you to go find the place where this was filmed. If we can find out where she's going to die, maybe we can prevent it. And I like the fact that his part, his younger partner is just like, what are you talking about? We can't fight a ghost. What what are we going to do? Arrest it? You know? Like, yeah, so what? We find the place? Who cares? What's that going to do? Like, she's fucked. <laughs> right in front of her. Yeah. Oh, just, oh sorry, ma'am, but you're fucked. I, I wish I could help you, but I can't. Uh, you're cursed. You know, like, I can't uncurse you. No one can. You fucked up. You got a phone call and you're fucked. That's how it goes. Uh, so... But, but, Takoko then goes to find Mimiko's grandmother with Naoto and Kyoko in tow. And the grandmother, by the way, maybe, aside from, you know, Takoko, the, uh, the, or Takako, the, the lady reporter, aside from her, maybe my favorite character is this grandmother that is just from jump is like, Mimiko? You mean that creepy ass kid? She was awful. <laughs> if you are you here to tell me that she was a ghost that murdered people totally adds up she was she was a creepy kid from from the start uh and it turns out that freddy krueger style she was the product of uh a rape but i was thinking that too when i was watching that. i was like i wrote that down freddy krueger daughter of a, a maniac yeah yeah the the bastard daughter of a hundred maniacs or whatever um yeah and and so she says that um her her husband at the time caught the rapist red-handed and then stabbed him to death so he went to jail and then when he came out he just went back to his hometown in taiwan and the grandmother, by the way, is like, look, I if you want to go talk to him, fine. But I got to warn you, jail fucked him up. And uh, Takako is like, how did it, how, did it screw with his head or something? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says 
that he he sees this girl all the time everywhere and he and and that that girl wants to kill him and kyoko is like you know maybe we should just say a little prayer here for mimiko because you know she really didn't do anything wrong and this is right and i'm like this is the kind of thinking that got you cursed in the first place she didn't do anything wrong she killed like forty thousand people already right she i mean did you not hear the story of the first movie like you saw with your own eyes that she murdered someone on national television and now you're like you know maybe she was plus she was abusing her little sister too like right yeah you know and and this is our hero come on kyoko let's let's spare you know our our sympathies for someone who truly deserves it not this murderous hell child uh because we've got another murderous hell child to deal with anyway so uh takako calls the grandfather but he doesn't ever answer so uh she starts getting these pains in her head or we see the first of these where she's having visions of her and her sister and um it's her sister like answering a phone and then it we'll get into the ins and outs of that in a minute because we got an hour's worth of just exposition and farting around to do <laughs> so after called the grandfather she doesn't get an answer she calls her old boy or her old husband it turns out her ex-husband Yu Ting, um who is in taiwan and she asks him for help tracking down this grandfather and he's like hey are you are you tracking down a story about people who get phone calls from themselves in the future predicting their death and she's like is it happening there in taipei as well yeah yeah uh, actually hilariously enough i actually recognize the actor who plays yu tang because he was on a season of common writer yeah peter ho is his name and he is yeah he's one of the funnier things in that making of is that he's of course a native chinese speaker and in the movie he speaks japanese but in the outtakes he is not particularly good at speaking japanese no Uh, so anyway it's very funny but the same is true of uh of sato uh who plays takako um she does not speak chinese and is called upon to do that in this movie and there are outtakes of her fucking that up too so um, yeah it's, it's like when Mike did like a seducey western jango just speak english right just do it yeah yeah right it it kind of doesn't matter and, but again if you know Mike were at the helm then maybe that's how it would go uh yeah. but uh, you know again this is a very journeyman director that we're dealing with here and, and he's gonna do a very literal interpretation of whatever script he's given it feels like um so at any rate uh it it turns out yet yes this is happening elsewhere uh there's a forensics report that comes in on uh modico and and uh takiko ends up interrupting the uh, motomia being told uh that there's coal dust in modico's stomach that matches the the coal dust also found in the stomach of mr wang the cook from the restaurant at the beginning of the movie and takako says 
hey, check and see if that coal is from Taiwan. Uh, and he's like, why would it be from Taiwan? And she's like, they had similar murders there years before Mimiko ever died. So turns out Mimiko, maybe not our villain. Yeah, this is where the movie's like, what? <laughs> right. Th- yes, this is where things start to go off the rails a little bit. And so then we're we we go to the next day which is july 19th so we have two more days before kyoko is gonna get got and uh takako ends up finding the the home place of the grandfather and there are knives and cleavers just hung from the the awning outside (laughs) in a very texas chainsaw kind of move uh and the place is you know just filthy and disorderly um it turns out that there's a shrine inside for mimiko's mother uh and and she kind of steps into that space and then takako starts seeing like people moving just like at the edge of her vision and stuff and ends up exploring deeper into the house where uh she finds after after seeing some ghost arms appearing uh the mummified body of the grandfather holding on to a cell phone which is kind of hilarious that this old man in taipei was found with a cell phone in his hand that's that's really where technology has gone far far too too far um but yes anyway but it's a pretty good effect the mummified body looks pretty good yeah it'd have been awesomer if it actually got up and moved uh (laughs) Man, right again. One missed call gives it gives everything to you. Oh, you you need a a creepy, drippy Fulci zombie. Here you go. Uh, and this just doesn't have those kind of moves. Um, yeah. So, all right. So Takako and Yu Ting uh kind of hook up at his place, and she's like, "Oh, you're still we- wearing the wedding ring like a chump." Um. And he's like, well, you know, technically we're still married. We're separated, not divorced. And it turns out that Yuting has a trapper keeper of all the victims of all these one missed call calls. And when Kyoko or not Kyoko, when Takako starts thumbing through, she's like, oh, my God, you're into this, too. Uh, (laughs) It's like she discovered he had velvet underground records or something. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a fan. Yeah, then you find out his brother is actually the fucking dude from the first movie, the deaf photo guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, right. And there's like a picture of Mimiko in there. Um, and anyway, he, but it, the whole deal with you, Ting, is he's like, I don't want you to get involved with any of this because it's, it's lethal. Like, you're going to get yourself killed investigating this shit. And, um, Meanwhile, Takako gets a call from Naoto, who's like, hey, any updates on saving my girlfriend over here now that you're in Taiwan? And uh, Takako tells him, like, hey, by the way, Mimiko got a call from her grandfather, and maybe that's how she got infected with this curse. What? And then, sure enough, forensics, Derek, show that there was coal dust in Mimiko's stomach. So, what? so that Kyoko's caller 
may not actually be Mimiko, they conclude. Yeah, this movie's getting way off the rails. So, okay, so then Kyoko freaks out because she sees a ghost kid staring at her from inside a suitcase, which is maybe the coolest shot of the movie. And then when Naoto goes to investigate, he finds inside the suitcase uh, a telephone where uh, the the ringtone that we know uh, plays. And this time, the image on her phone is this girl standing at this chain link fence, and we see that her mouth is sewn shut. Yeah. This girl's... They're like, this is a different person. They're trying to show you that. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. So, in very short order here, they're basically like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that happened in the first one definitely happened. But Mimiko was somehow a victim of this other ghost that is the one that we're chasing in this movie. I, uh, Yeah, this is... Yeah, I know. I right, like, di- why did Mimiko have a cell phone? Why, <laughs> when I don't think we ever saw that. Why are they trying to victim? They're trying to victimize uh, the killer from the first movie, which I don't like at all. Well, and sh- but that's the other problem is that Mimiko will actually show up later in this movie to kind of rumble a little bit. And you're like, wait a second, so is she still alive? Or, you know, is she still an active ghost as well as the other one? Because uh, Mimiko, because Mimiko is the one that shows up in the mon with Takako. What what this movie should have been, it, was, it should have been like a, just a copycat ghost, and then Mimiko comes and fights it. He goes, you stole my ringtone, bitch? Man, if this were like, you know, uh, was it Sadako versus uh, Kyoko? Yeah. Uh, then, yeah. that Like, that movie is a million times better than this. Yeah. Because like, it's at least did, entertaining. Yeah, because she was just kind of like, uh-uh, no, you didn't, bitch. You stole my ringtone? You, you, you're trying to copy my moves? Uh-uh, it's time. Takes, I'm taking my nails off. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Oh my god, it would have been so much better. Like you know, me, Mimiko with her knife, you know, Lily with the needle, fight to the death, or yes. you know, the under. Anyway, we'll get to Lily in a minute. Um, so back in Taiwan, Takako gets another headache, and Yu Ting is like, "Oh, are you still, you know, hearing these voices and stuff?" And he apparently he knows about her sister, and. Um, then, uh, she says, you know, I keep hearing my, my sister saying, stop, that hurts. Like the night she disappeared, I I heard these voices saying, stop, that hurts. And then the voice faded away. I felt this moment of pain. And she says, I know for a fact that my sister wasn't just drowned. She was murdered by whoever was on the other end of that phone. The phone, by the way. A, a phone that has no cord connected to anything. It's just a, a good old-fashioned ghost phone. So, I guess the implication is that it was Lily who killed the sister, maybe? It would make sense, because uh, timeline-wise, 
because Mimico wouldn't be a ghost yet if this movie's trying to tell us what it's trying to tell us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Mimico is not even born at this point. Uh, so, which is, anyway, we'll get, we'll talk about it. So, anyway, um, <laughs> Yuting is just like, hey, man, you gotta get out of here. Like, you really, you, you really need to quit this investigation before you actually get heard. And go back to Japan and Takako is like, no, I'm going to, I'm saving Kyoko's life. And if you're not going to help me, then get out of my way. And Yuting is like, eh, fine. There's just no point fighting with you. You're, you're headstrong. And I, I should tell you though, that there's a journalist friend of mine that recently died investigating this. So that's why I want you to get out of here. Um, and anyway, meanwhile, back in Japan, Naoto is deleting numbers out of Kyoko's phone. Uh, <laughs> then he just, you know, snaps it in half and tosses it. And then there's this weird scene where, like, Kyoko is suddenly very aware of everyone around her being on cell phones. And it seems like the movie kind of stops to be like... Oh yeah, remember when this series was kind of about a fear of technology and that kind of thing? And you know, and and actually had some subtext and so forth. And then it just all sort of culminates in her hearing this girl talking about a ghost with a sewn-up mouth that she chases into an alley and and scares the hell out of. <laughs> And when she's like, what, so what do you say when, when the ghost with the sewn up mouth shows up at your bedside table at night, what do you tell it? What are you supposed to say? And this schoolgirl who is just being assaulted by Kyoko is like, I don't know. It's just a story. What are you talking about? Oh uh, yeah. yeah. You know, the, it's just, uh, I'm having flashbacks when I watched evil dead trap three with this movie because it's kind of like that same pandering yeah oh god it's fucking terrible uh so later on that night kyoko and naoto are outside kind of chit-chatting about like well what are we gonna do and they talk about how like oh remember when we when we met and uh you lost your cell phone and i found it and who could possibly give a shit about any of this in a one missed call movie and then she's like, I'm going to go to Japan and I want you, or I'm going to go to Taiwan and I want you to stay here so you don't get hurt. And he's like, fuck that. I, anywhere you go, I'm going. And so now they're both going to Japan or to Taiwan. Sorry. And so the next day they make it to Taiwan. And, uh, uh, man, I, I know that they're trying to kind of ground all this in, in this relationship between, Kyoko and Naoto and Yuting and Takako like we're having these parallel relationships and that's supposed to be kind of the big heart of the movie but I just don't care that's not what I'm here for <laughs> I don't I don't care that they're in love I don't care that they're trying to patch things up you know I don't want them to be totally two-dimensional but I don't want to spend an hour of act two going through their relationship problems and how yeah. they met and everything. Yeah, the thing with this is, is like 
because it's like back to back. It's not even like their cut with like kills or anything. It's just it's pretty much the middle of this movie becomes a relationship issues. The movie. Yeah. And the middle of one missed call is a completely rocking centerpiece with this exorcism on live television that results in a decapitation. And like the first part of this movie feels like a one missed call movie. And then from this point on, from the, from all the relationships stuff on, it feels like a totally different movie. It feels much more in line with something like the whispering corridor series where it's all these like romantic entanglements that lead to curses and shit. Um, uh, anyway, uh, Derek, this, this movie frustrates me so, so much. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it's like the Dracula 3D of movies. Yeah, yeah. As if that weren't a movie. Kind of Dracula 3D is the Dracula 3D of movies. But this is also the Dracula 3D. Turns out there can be many Dracula 3Ds of movies, Derek. That's what we're learning here. Yeah, but this one doesn't have a giant CGI praying mantis in it, which I kind of wish it did at this point. Better movie if it did. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm telling you, if anything happened in the middle of this movie... Uh, but all right. So speaking of when Takako shows up to pick up, you know, Kyoko and Naoto from the airport, she's like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta bust out to this, you know, creepy town that disappeared. Uh, and, and there's one survivor. So we're going to go find this old lady that survived this, you know, complete devastation, a mysterious, uh, disappearance of everyone in this village. And, it, there's this old woman that they find just making beads and she has kind of milky white eyes and this kid outside uh where this lady's making beads tells him oh yeah yeah it turned she did that to herself uh the story goes and so this is uh, her name is gal uh, old lady gal and uh they <laughs> when she's realizes that they're there she runs inside um and they have to kind of you know convince her to let let them in because she says lily is coming lily is coming and then when they finally you know get her to get her shit together she tells the story of lily which is this creepy little girl not unlike mimiko who uh people said was always talking to other invisible people and so all the kids of the village would throw rocks at her <laughs> uh, like you do. And at one point, Lily is fed up. And when one of these kids throws a rock at her and, and bloodies her nose, she points at him and says, you're going to die in three days. <laughs> and but apparently after that, as Gal tells the story, she just kind of went around town and anybody that pissed her off, she was like, three days you three days you three days you cut me off three days stepped on my foot then three days just kills everybody in town <laughs> curses them all until they all the the remaining townspeople drag lily into this coal mine uh that is local to the town and sew her mouth sh uh, mouth shut so she can't curse anybody anymore and then they sealed up the mine they harry wardened her yeah well but here's the problem 
if they did that, then why did the town dry up and disappear if the problem was solved? Like, if there were enough people to do to take care of business like this, I feel like there's enough people to keep the town going. Yeah. Yeah, like Freddy Krueger, this little girl, and she was like, uh-uh. Right, like, you know, because they say that Gao is the lone survivor. Well, did these just got, people just die of old age then? That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I mean, I guess so. Maybe it's like, you know, she's the, the last remaining survivor of the original Hiroshima bombing or something, you know? Anyway. I, anyway. Uh, I, I just I would, don't understand. Like, the movie over-explains all the stuff I don't care about and under-explains all the stuff I do care about. Yeah. It, it's... Oh. It, all right, so... Outside of Gao's house, Kyoko is like, hey, me and Naoto are going to go on alone to this mine because, you know, I'm in trouble. He's going to come with me because he ain't going anywhere, but you don't have to participate anymore. And Takako is like, I got to go because I've got this whole thing with my sister. And uh, she tell it gets kind of creepy because she sort of implies that her father like sexually abused her. And that she hated her sister. And the way she puts his, uh, put, puts it is, I hated her for escaping his hands. And I think, and maybe I'm just a creep because I immediately like, oh, is that sexual abuse as opposed to physical abuse, you know? Yeah, I think it's kind of, I felt that's kind of impolation on this watch too, you know? Where, yeah, she was sexually abused, maybe. Yeah, anyway, it, like, again, that stuff could be explained slightly better, but Takako says she feels like her, her sister is calling out to her. And so then she gets a call from Yu Ting, and Takako is like, hey, I'm going into the mine, and uh, by the way, Yu Ting also got this one missed call. And his death is scheduled for an hour before Kyoko's, as it happens. But, like, Takako is like, well, I can't do anything there, and maybe I can stop something here. So I'm just going to hang out at the mine until I don't. And so they go to the mine. Takako is like, on the way in, again, this is some real, like, equivocational bullshit, where she's like, yeah, you know, maybe the town had this waterborne disease and that Lily's real power was being able to tell when someone had it and she wasn't actually cursing anyone. <laughs> and it, yeah. <laughs> like, like where the fuck did that come from? You know, like she could have just probably said even better and it would have been even more believable. Thanos just came and wiped out this town. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he it's in the search for balance, Thanos came and snapped. You know, <laughs> right? It just it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But so, um, they are like, I don't know why we're going down this rabbit hole of well, maybe there was a disease, and maybe Mimiko was misunderstood, maybe Lily was misunderstood, but their behavior in this movie is never anything but monstrous. 
it's and so all these people unless that's the point of the movie it's just that people are fucking stupid Derek. they're just slogging the fucking just get to the fucking mind shit you know right like and finally we're at the mine but that doesn't mean anything's gonna happen right away no because we gotta wander around outside this son of a bitch for a while and uh so uh, they they end up splitting up takako then gets the one missed call call but when she answers it, it's Detective Motomiya who apparently is using that. Well, we'll get to this in a minute. But he's like, hey, we found Yumi Nakamura and she's dead. And it turns out she was evil all along and it was reawakened in her by Mimiko. What? I, I know. So the call breaks up and then Takako goes chasing after some figure she sees in the woods and she checks her watch. Yuting's time is almost up. Um, the, her flashlight goes out once she's in the mine. And then she goes to her lighter in her pocket. And when she turns on the lighter, there's Mimiko. And then we cut away. And now, Derek, we're in some kind of dream where Takako stops her sister from answering the phone call. You know, it's that same scene again, but before her sister can answer, our sister is Mariko, by the way. So it stops her from answering the phone, apologizes to her. It's like, I'm so sorry I left you on that day uh, and begs for her forgiveness. Her sister kind of hugs her, seems to forgive her, and then she disappears. And Takako wakes up in the mind and her watch is broken. So she don't know how long she's been out. She don't know what time it is. Yeah, that that kind of mirrored uh, the scene from the first movie too, where uh, you know it's like that dream sequence where uh, I forget the main dude from the first movie's name, where he goes and saves Mimico with the inhaler. Yeah, right. It's that kind of thing, um, that sort of redemption thing. But that uh, I feel like the theme is way cleaner there because that whole movie is just about the whole idea of abuse yeah and and being able to break that cycle to be the person that's like no 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 i'm gonna be able to kind of love this person out of that cycle of abuse even though you know the the kind of end of the movie is well he can't you know like it's eh, when you're dealing with ghost curses and stuff eh, sometimes you're just fucked yeah um but and and but in this movie there is you know this kind of recurring idea of abuse and okay so let's I'll, I'll get to it since we're talking about this there's a scene when they're going to the mine that was cut out uh. it's the conversation that they have in the car where they're talking about um you know like all all the 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 sister shit and stuff like that so in that scene the deleted scene is that they all kind of connect the dots between mimiko lily yumi um that in basically they were all these individual psychic transmitters that the abuse that they suffered beginning with lily created this sort of psychic network of abused spirits you know that they like they all sort of communicated and fed off one of uh, one another which made slightly more sense in the grand scheme of things 
because then it's like, oh, well, then that's why Lily was kind of using Mimiko's ringtone and why you see her in the mine. That they're kind of all not the same entity, but the same kind of energy, if that makes sense. It's, yeah, it's kind of like a. That, that, that actually does make a little bit more sense. I wish that scene was in the movie now. <laughs> yes, that's what it, when it, that's what I thought when it, when I sh- so when the, I saw the deleted scene and even Rimpe uh, Sukamoto says, "Well, this does explain a lot of things," but I really felt it slowed down the movie, and I was like, "What? It explains it, and you could have taken the scene of." Hey, remember that time I found your cell phone? You could have taken two minutes out of that scene and put these two minutes back in, and it would have made the movie so much more, at least an interesting idea. So when you do start seeing Mimiko show up alongside Lily, you're like, oh, okay, well, that does make a a sort of, you know, kind of dream logic, at least, that they're all sort of bouncing off of one another. Yeah, yeah. It, it's mind-blowing now that I know that. I, I have to watch that scene right after we record this. Yeah, yeah. W- definitely watch that scene. I, I think it's the second or third deleted scene that he introduces. But it, like, like I said, he introduces it with, you know, this really does go a long way towards explaining everything. But I just really thought it was just putting the brakes on the movie. Yeah, yeah. This is like that whole, like, yeah, we're going to have a character named Sarah Zauer that's going to be the son of the character from the MonsterVerse movies in the movie as one of the bad guys. But we're just going to make him a side character and delete all the stuff where he has background. Right. Right. Like, anyway, it's very frustrating. One, one, Like I said, once you know that, all of the rest of this is so much more frustrating because it makes no sense unless you kind of go along with, with that logic. Anyway. So, um, outside of the mine, Kyoko and Naoto hear uh, Takako screaming. Naoto goes inside to investigate. Um, meanwhile, Takako can't seem to get Yuting on the phone. And we cut over to him. And he's kind of doing the at least interesting scientific thing of holding a video camera and he's like, hey, if death comes for me, I'm at least going to record it. So maybe it'll save somebody else. Uh, which yeah. I like. I like that move. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun. And again, one missed call stuff is fun. I wish that this movie did more of that. Yeah. And uh, so he has his uh, the camera in one hand. He's waiting for death. His phone is ringing with a call from himself, of course. And then we cut back to the mines where Kyoko has gotten bored waiting for Naoto, who's gone into the mines. So now she goes into the mines searching for him, who she hears kind of distantly. And so she starts hearing some voices and um, and is investigating. And then she discovers the well from the ring. <laughs> Where where inside there's a bag from audition wiggling around, so you know combining the best of all worlds really, and uh, and actually this is probably the most like genuinely creepy moment in the movie is is where she opens up this bag and it turns out that 
a ghostly and contorted Monaco is inside who just starts kind of crab walking out of the ring well and towards her. It's it's kind of unsettling. It's it's a good performance. Yeah, it's probably one of my one of the better scenes of the movie. And sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, of course at the last minute Nato busts in and saves her. Uh and he drags her outside outside, but surprise Derek, it's not Kyoko he saved. It's Lily. And needle, needle and all. Yep. And then she disappears. And then he's like, fuck, I got to go back in there and get the real Kyoko. So he runs back into the mine. And then uh, we see that Kyoko is hanging out with the ghost of Madoko. But then she just runs outside when she sees her, realizes that she's, you know, right next to a ghost. And then she runs outside only to kind of stop and then go turn around and go right back into the mine. And her super special necklace that we saw at the beginning of the movie falls off into, into the dirt. Um, and so anyway, she, she ends up finding what she thinks is the final resting place of Lily, which is this old shaft where there's a chair tied to a pole and has like bindings on the, the arms of the chair and so forth. So like clearly someone was tied to a chair there and, um, this this seems to be the place where Lily met her unfortunate end. And in fact, sticking out of some rocks, Derek, there's even some needle and twine to kind of, you know, bring this all home. Yeah, it's either the resting place of Lily or the resting place of Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of the appropriate get over here joke. And I'm not I'm not sure what it is. I was gonna say knit over here but that doesn't seem right yeah (laughs) (laughs) so over here something it's in so over here it's in the ballpark um but uh while kyoko's like investigating all of this uh there there's this whole flashback of you see the event of lily like being you know harassed by these townspeople who sew up her mouth and whatever but again this all sounds justified based on the evidence presented before this court and then kyoko screams uh kind of breaking this trance and then we see that lily appears beyond behind kyoko with the needle and says come play with me (laughs) so you know a little shining in there as well um kyoko or i'm sorry not kyoko takako gets to yuting's place and it looks like she's got two minutes to spare um and he's like you've got to get out of here and he's you know clearly freaked but takako you know talks him down and then the time passes and he's okay and then they make up and and she says uh takako says you know what maybe my sister who forgave me maybe she saved us we should go to the mine and help kyoko now yeah yeah all of that seems cool and so naoto uh is hunting for kyoko back at the mines finds the super special necklace and he's like oh i bet she went this away and so he goes inside uh her time's almost up and 
Naoto finds that uh, Kyoko is there with Lili. Lili goes all invis- invisible on him and starts slashing him and the walls up with her needle. And in a scene that, like, it just lacks any real creepiness. It's just kind of there. Yeah. Like, like this movie lacks any of the atmosphere generated. And again, this feels so unfair to compare it to one of, like, Mike's most commercial but still incredibly successful horror films. It's, you know... It, it's tough to compare against a master like that, but it is the direct sequel, and it just lacks any of that sense of, like, dread or anything. Like, all these scenes that are supposed to feel like, you know, oh my god, you know, Nodo's gotta, gotta get to Kyoko in time, we kinda know based on the beginning like if you've ever watched a movie before you're like i bet he's gonna try to answer the phone for her you know and save her life um yeah and it it just feels kind of tiresome to get there but yeah i mean there's this whole bit with the the slashing he ends up uh busting through some logs to get to kyoko um he gets her on her feet lily gives chase uh the one of the interesting things again i wish this is a thing that they discussed a little bit more is when they bust out of the mine they turn around and they're like oh my god look at that it this is all sitting on top or there's a big radio transmitter sitting on top of this mine and the implication i think here is that oh because lily was buried in this mine with this cell transmitter on top it was able to kind of broadcast her evil and influence but it's like one line in the movie and no one ever mentions it again and it's never a thing yeah and it's one of the cooler ideas in the movie (laughs) so i guess they're like oh i guess this is how lily got to mimiko yeah ugh so anyway, so they make it outside and uh, they're, they kind of run into this chain link fence that, uh, you know, a security fence around the, the entrance. Um, Naoto is able to get uh, Kyoko up and over. So she's on the other side of the fence. And then um, he gets thrown outside. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I screwed this up. He just gets picked up by Ghost Lily and thrown outside the fence, leaving Kyoko inside. Apologies for that confusion. And then she grabs the fence, and we see, like, oh, this is the fence from the, the video. Yeah. yeah, the video picture, yeah. And then Lily busts out of this grate, uh, you know, down into the mine, and time's up. The phone, you know, Kyoko's phone starts ringing, and then Naoto is like, "Oh, I remember the end of the or the beginning of the movie where they said the thing about answering the phone for somebody else." And so, uh, he's like, "I'm gonna do that." Kyoko's like, "No, no, don't answer it." And there's a lot of struggle to get the phone, but he finally does, and he answers. And it's Kyoko on the phone saying, "I know we'll meet again one day." 
and it kind of fades to white and you think that's going to be it but we cut to kyoko who is now just swapped places with naoto and she's outside the fence and he's now inside the fence my my main question with this is so they get two chances to take the call yeah i guess because she yeah it's weird because i i think like you get the call and then the first call that tells you hey you're gonna die and then the second call you get is like hey you're dead (laughs) and and you can intercept i think you got to intercept the last one well no because then because may fing uh her phone it was i it was the first call maybe i none of this makes any sense um yeah it's very frustrating so anyway kyoko uh uh, like i said has traded spots naoto is dragged away and into the mine and then kyoko is like oh my god my super special necklace that'll never let me forget naoto's sacrifice for me and then we cut to the hospital like all the everything's over and done with apparently and takako is there with kyoko and it's like hey i know that uh naoto is dead now but i just want you to know this isn't your fault um i'll tell you what i'm gonna i'm gonna call motomiya and let him know what's going on and she goes outside and she gets get ready for some twists and turns Derek. She gets a message saying, hey, Motomi is dead. They also found Yumi's body. And it turns out that Motomi died on his way to identify the, the body of Yumi Nakamura. And when he died, also he said, Mimiko's here. And also the phone call that uh, Takako got was after from motomiya about the body of yumi nakamura was after he supposedly would have died so Mm -hmm. she got the call from a dead person with the one missed call ringtone aha what a twist and so cut back to kyoko in the hospital room where police like taipei police are like Hey, I am so sorry about what's going on. Um, were, did you know both of the bodies we found in the mine? And Kyoko's like, both bodies? Huh? And then we follow Takako, who goes to Yuting's place. And she's like, oh, I don't know where he is, but here's his camera. So let me check this out. And she watches a video. And it, again, this kind of mirrors the end of the original where she appears in the video murdering Ut, and then uh, uh, it kind of does but then she goes into the bathroom sure enough there is Ting stabbed to death apparently by her own hand and then she checks her phone again and discovers that she got a one missed call at the moment her watch stopped which is the moment she saw Mimiko in the mine and a flashback tells us that at that moment Mimiko also stabbed her and she has been dead ever since that moment. Yeah. 
Good, good stuff. And then to round out the movie, Takako finds a red candy in her mouth and music starts to play and she kind of smiles and cries. And then we see the candy roll away and the film burns and then music plays. Yeah, I love music. It's great. Yeah. And and that is the, the sum total of One Miss Call 2. Yeah, I wish the whole film burned. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I don't want to just bag on a movie. That's uh, like, I, I don't get any enjoyment out of that. But this movie is incredibly frustrating because you're coming off the heels of such a good movie with One Miss Call. And this movie just... It overcomplicates the story in ways that are unsatisfying, and it doesn't follow the characters that are the most interesting characters. It's so bogged down in all its relationship stuff that it forgets to be a horror movie until the end, and then it's just hard to care because it's so convoluted. And the moment you start pulling at the threads, especially without any of the deleted scene stuff, which goes a little ways towards explaining it, but I don't want to pretend that it explains everything really neatly. Yeah. Because there is all the stuff about, like, okay, well, why was Lily using Mimiko's ringtone? Why, like, why is she pretending to be me? Or is that really Mimiko at work and Lily is also at work? And the movie just never bothers to draw the line between, oh, this is Mimiko doing this, and this is Lily doing this part. Yeah, because it's been a while since I watched this, and I always thought that Lily was like a red herring ghost, and Mimiko is actually the one. And in this watch, it's like, no, it seems like they're both active. It's like fucking way more confusing than yeah. I remember. Right. It's, right. It's really confusing. And and that's not what you want out of, like, One Miss Call is not necessarily the most straightforward, you know, there's, there are ways you can kind of read that ending and so forth, but it's not head-scratching, like, you follow the plot, and and this, too many times I felt like, wait a second, so, so Mimiko's in the mine? Why is she in the mine again? Is that, is she having a vision? Like, for a second I thought it was her sister. But then she get it's clearly Mimiko that stabs her in the flashback, so Yeah, plus with all like all that other explained shit too, it kinda ruins like uh the impact of the first movie because it's trying to backtrack the shit that happened in the first movie and say, No, no, she was, you know, born from a bastard and Yumi was evil all along, you know, like what? Right. Yeah, well that Yumi, you know, because of the abuse that she shared that she is also evil, but then why isn't Yumi showing up as a ghost if you're going to, again, run with that idea of they're all sort of these, you know, sort of transmitters of their own that are all responding to Lily's signal. Yeah, but that's, a, that's some bullshit they made up for this movie because, you know, when you watch, if you just watch the first movie, Yumi doesn't seem evil at all. You know, it's like, right, what? right. I mean, like the idea that she's open to possession because of this pain, it is, I think, kind of what one miss call gets at. But it's clearly Mimiko possessing her, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, she was just evil all along. I and, mean, you know, it's like, didn't you watch the end of the last movie? 
Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's very frustrating. I like. Do you have any any extended thoughts on on this? Because you know, it, it, this has been kind of a painful episode for me. It's disappointing to watch one of these movies, and I feel like this was even worse than you know. Like I think the I two is kind of dull, but it at least has some some crazy soap opera shenanigans. Like these relationships are just played so straight and grounded. Wow. You know, in a better movie, uh, those grounded relationships could really, you know, make the horror element soar. But I just, I just got bored with it all, and I just didn't care by the time the scares came. So hell, I'd rather watch the I three too, even though it has a Noburo Gucci fart shit at the end. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, yes, the farting at Ghost is really something in that movie, but like it's it's absurd and silly and i like the that scene where they're tapping the you know the rice bowls and stuff i think is kind of cool and creepy yeah i had some good attentions in that movie it's just you know it kind of ends like ooh, but yeah 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 yeah, that also ends badly but i would even because it does a similar thing where it's like oh secret ghost you know um yeah. Go to a different country. Go to Thailand. You know, like it. Yeah, geez. it's weird how how close one missed call two and the I three are. But but anyway, sorry. I I want to make sure that I don't step on what what you have to say about this movie because I yeah. I am washing my hands of it. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because this is going to be kind of controversial. I actually seen this one before I seen the original one miss call. I kind of think that's the way to do it though. Cause then you have such low expectations for one miss call. Yeah. You know, uh, and I didn't actually, the first time I watched this, I'm like, okay, this make you know, it wasn't too bad. But then when, after I watched the first one, I was like, Oh my God, this is so much better. And then, you know, then you watch this one again after that, after a few years, you're like, this one fucking sucks, you know, but uh, I think there is some good moments in the movie. I don't want to really bash it too hard or, you know, they did try to add some connectivity to the first movie, but then all the shit that they try to change up from the first movie didn't work out because they didn't explain it too well. And, you know, there's a slog right in the middle with like this romance stuff and, you know, it's very interesting because it feels very uh, TV movie dialogue heavy with some of the romantic angles that's going on. It kind of reminded me of soap operas in a way, even though it was in like a Japanese language, but it felt like that to me. And it's just a slog in the middle of this movie. And it couldn't, I didn't really care or give a fuck by the time they did get to the mind too, like you said. And, you know, there's some good moments in there, but it was still kind of confusing too. What was going on because they didn't explain much. So yeah, this is not a recommend for me. Yeah, it right. It this is uh, yeah. Also, I don't know that I would recommend it. I am doing a little bit of quick research. Uh, all of this was written by uh, Minako Daira um seems to have been the the screenwriter for all of the movies and the television show uh so oh i'm sorry i apologize 
all of the movies as well as uh the adaptation credit for the remake i apologize um did not write the television show which might explain some stuff um television shows a little bit bonkers it's a little crazy derek i'm not gonna lie to you can't wait to watch that it's yeah i uh i it it, it definitely goes places and it's got some um some implications that the main character may be like tied into the mythology you know you know in a really also a really good strong female character uh the main character named yumi who is uh um a a scientist who can't get a science scientist gig and is uh working as a proofreader at a newspaper and she is way above like the job she is working she's way above the that particular job uh and just also has no people skills it's it's really kind of wonderful like uh watching that television series or at least the first episode of it on the heels of watching one miss call too because i like i I wouldn't allow myself to do that until i had done all my notes for one miss call too and like watched all the special features and really gave it due diligence and whatnot and then i watched uh one episode of this television series and i got angry at one miss call too for not being as entertaining as that 45 minutes (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like, how did how did you somehow get worse than this like four by three JTV version of the one miss call story is infinitely more fun uh to watch than anything in one miss call too, which is which is unfortunate. Like I said, I take no joy in saying that. I just it it's it kind of fails on the level of expanding the universe, you know, like, like a good sequel ought to expand the mythology out and it tries to do that, but it's real convoluted and messy and just makes it confusing instead of cooler. Yeah. (laughs) And, and also it doesn't introduce any new characters or situations that are any bigger or better or grander than the first movie. And yeah, it's a bummer. Um, but next episode, man, we're going to be digging into this television series, which, like I said, is kind of, from the first episode is kind of nutty in a way that I can really get behind. I'm really excited to continue it now. So, um, man, any. All right. Anyway, f- uh, final thoughts on this one before we move on. I said my piece on it. Excellent. Perfect. Uh, Derek, where can people find more of you uh, between now and two weeks? when we dig into uh one miss call the television series aka chakushin Ari. oi yeah uh, <laughs> uh you can find me most of my shows are on the dark discussions network where i do cinema attack they're here uh no more room in hell and a few guest spots on certain shows coming up there as always uh you can also find me on the legion podcast network under the Kill the Cast banner with Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, where we give you those visions from Monsterland. Check those shows out. Excellent. Uh, And I I second that emotion. You should check those shows out. Uh, Obviously, if you're listening to this, um, this is, uh, of course, one of the the proud shows on uh, the Legion Podcast Network. Uh, Check out legionpodcasts.com. For back episodes of this show, uh, as well as plenty of other shows, many of them not even featuring me. 
um, <laughs> that you can find over there on Legion Podcast. And uh, over on the YouTube channel, you can see uh, some video versions and some live recordings and that kind of thing. So there's uh, a lot of fun stuff happening over there, too. Uh, like I said, m- most importantly for you folks uh, listening right now, the the uh, Hero Hero Go Show Faithful, um, like I said, next episode, we're going to get into a uh, television series, which I, I believe is a first. I'll have to check, but I am pretty sure... We have never discussed a television series on this program before, so probably the closest ever did TV related was that Tomi Tomie TV movie, which was you know kind of made for TV, like TV episodes made into a movie. Yeah, but that's pretty good. Uh, that that was a pretty good Tomie movie. Um, I'm, I, I struggle to remember the name of that. Another one. face. Yeah, that's right. Tomie uh, Anasu Feso. I bought uh, all those movies after you guys did those shows. Yeah, see, yeah, see, that's one uh, Richard kind of badmouthed another face until I made him go back and watch it again. I was like, no, man, it's good Tomie. You just got to roll with it. I know it looks shitty. It's Japanese television, but it's good Tomie. And I, I stand by that. That is good Tomie. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, like, I can get on board with some of the TV stuff. Like, Jew on the Curse and mm-hmm. Curse 2 are like TV movies, and they, they look kind of like that kind of quality too yeah it's just the the quality of tape that they use or whatever to to shoot a lot of their television has a very soap opera look to it um they they just for most of the stuff at least that i've watched they don't really adopt that sort of cinematic even at a time when there were plenty of television shows around the world looking pretty cinematic japan eh, not so much yeah they they decided to hold off on that. I think uh, I think some of the recent stuff is, mu- you know, by recent I mean the past like ten fifteen years is a lot more in line with what you would expect a television program to look like. But uh, um, you know, Japanese television for a long time shot in a very particular format. It is very clear. Uh, you know, it'd be like, why am I watching like this? Am I watching Redneck Zombies or am I watching a Japanese movie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, it, it has that kind of, you know, VHS, uh, you know, shot on VHS kind of quality sometimes. Yeah. Um, even though they'll whip some effects on you and that kind of thing. They do some, like, a, a lot of shit that you could do at home where they just kind of blur the image some and that kind of thing. There's some of that, as a matter of fact, in uh, in one missed call where there's like a dreamy kind of quality to one of the scenes that's like man this this sure looks like 1984 yeah um yeah yeah but it again very charming to me so uh more of that in two weeks we're gonna save the the rest of that discussion for then thanks everyone so much for listening be sure that you're liking rating reviewing all that fun stuff uh most importantly um the the, honestly the best way you you can help this show if you enjoy it and and would like it to continue uh not that i'm like i'm not holding anybody hostage here Derek. i'm not saying i'm gonna stop i'm just saying you know the more people listening hey the longer this thing goes and if you want to help do that then uh the best way is just to tell somebody like hey you ought to listen to the show it's uh, pretty interesting and or informative and or occasionally fun Thanks again for listening. Derek, thank you for joining me. We'll see everybody in two weeks. Bye. Peace.